But I'm glad you're here tonight. Tonight, you will not need to open up your Bibles and turn to a particular passage. If you want to, you can open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, and you'll see several verses referenced up on the screen, and you can refer to that. But tonight, I want to do a character study, and uh, my church will know that it's very rare uh, that I don't have a specific text. In fact, I enjoy going through books of the Bible and teaching on books of the Bible. And uh, we're just about to finish up 1 Corinthians at Calvary right now. But tonight, I want to use the life of Peter and the, the hero that he can be to, to us today as far as his character and what we can learn from him. And if you noticed again, there's a resurgence of, of superhero uh, movies coming out again. There's one out now, right, on Captain America? Is that what it is out now? And uh, Who's your favorite superhero? On the count of three, just shout out who your favorite superhero is. One, two, three. Jesus! One of our pastors thinks Jesus is a superhero in a movie. But, but the rest of you all had Superman and Batman, right? Uh, uh, bless you. The new Superman or the old one? Because the old one is just embarrassing to watch those these days now, isn't it? I see that rerun, and I'm like, pow, bam. And I'm like, I used to watch that and get excited. It's just, wow, has technology changed over the years. But, you know, they're able to do things that, that typically an ordinary person is not able to do. and You know, see with x-ray vision or run with great speed or they had tremendous strength or, or they were able to fly. And so many of us, when we were younger, I, I hope when we were younger, maybe some of you still today, you know, we would wrap a cape around ourselves and we would pretend to be one of those superheroes. And I know some of the pastors around here, they still pretend that. They wear their capes when we meet once a month still and proclaim of all the great things they've accomplished. And, and we all just do that, don't we? We're just like, guess what's going on in my church? And so we're like, we're superheroes again. And we just, we want to emulate that. But, well, there are superheroes in the Bible. And we love to read about the, the characters in the Bible, and there's so many of them that just live these extraordinary lives. But I want to make sure before we even start talking about Peter that we start off understanding that Peter, Peter is just like you and I. I mean, he is one messed up dude when you look at his life. Now, how come I'm hearing myself all of a sudden? Did my ears wax just move or what? Did you do something? Okay, was it just me? Great, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> so embarrassing. Yeah, all of a sudden I had just different hearing here or whatever. So anyway, I hope that won't become an issue for me because maybe I'm not used to hearing myself talk. And right now I can hear myself. Maybe you could lower these just a tad bit. Yeah, and remember, you're supposed to make me sound like Adrian Rogers. Okay. <laughs> Peter is a messed up individual who's just like us and... Boy, if we're not messed up, I don't know what we are. Now, I don't hope you don't mind me saying that, but it's the truth. And so as we look in his life and as we look at the character and the, the way he lived his life and some of the key elements or key points in his life, I just say, I want you to see a few things tonight. First of all, I want you to see that Peter longed for opportunities to serve the Lord. Peter longed 
for opportunities to serve the Lord. His, his story begins in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, where, where the Lord comes along. And remember, he comes along and he sees Peter and Andrew and they're doing what they do every day of their lives working and they're fishing. And he says, come, follow me. And the scripture says they put down their nets and they follow Jesus. And then Matthew chapter 18, uh, excuse me, eight fourteen, Jesus goes to Peter's home and he heals Peter's mother-in-law. So we know that Peter was married. So in the midst of being married, he could still be a major player. And he could still be used by God. And his mother-in-law was healed there. And in Mark 1, 36, we know that Peter went looking for Jesus. Why? Because Jesus had gotten up early that morning and gone out to pray. And he and the other disciples, they went looking for him. They wanted to know where he was. They wanted to be with him. And Matthew chapter 10, we see that Peter is appointed to be an apostle. And he's given authority over evil spirits, disease, and, and illness. Peter is one of those types of guys that he just longed to be used by God. He wanted to be in the thick of the things. And he had such zeal and excitement to serve the Lord. And oftentimes it was that zeal and excitement that got him in trouble. Do you remember? There were times when he just said things he mm, probably shouldn't have said. There were some commitments he made that he probably should not have committed to. But it was just his zeal. It was his excitement. He wanted to. It was oftentimes just his failure to really understand the gravity of the moment, even the, the reality of who was in his presence. Though he was accepting Jesus as the Messiah, he was failing to understand what that really fully meant. And as we go through this, I want us as churches today to really examine our hearts and to consider the probability, the possibility that we too are sometimes falling short on seeing Jesus for who he really is. He is the savior of every man, woman, boy, and girl who will cry out and ask for him to rescue them, to repent of their sins and to confess they are a sinner and to trust in his life, his death, and his resurrection. He is the one who hung on the cross. He endured such grueling agony you and I cannot begin to imagine. And he's the one who spent those three cold, lonely days in the tomb while everyone else thought it was over. But he's the one on that third day. He's the one on the third day that got up and left that tomb. And he left the tomb proving that he has the power over death and over sin. Do we understand the the gravity of this? Do we understand who he is? Are we living our lives according to the reality of who Jesus is? Do we sometimes get a little zealous and excitement too? And do we also make promises? Do we try to begin to do things that maybe we're overstepping our authority or over our actual gifts we have or over our true abilities because we just got so excited in the moment? Are we sometimes like Peter? You know, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, Peter actually tried to rebuke Jesus. Are you kidding me? Would anybody in this room raise your hand if you wanted an opportunity to rebuke the Savior of the world? I'll give you a moment to think about it. No. But again, he didn't understand that, did he? And so when Jesus made some of his incredible statements before his disciples, they couldn't comprehend that. And so he was saying things to Jesus like, no, don't say that. That's never going to happen. And Jesus was like, no, I don't think you understand. And Jesus actually ends up rebuking Peter. 
Matthew 6, excuse me, Matthew 26, 51. Peter is so excited and so, so zealous in his, his uh, position with, with the Lord that he cuts off the ear of one of the soldiers trying to arrest Jesus. If you do the study, if you think about it, the amount of soldiers that were there at that moment were probably in the hundreds. And according to the scripture, we only know of one sword that was there among the men with Jesus. Would you go to a fight against a hundred men who are fully armed with shields and swords with one sword and be the first to draw blood? Peter did. Man was crazy. He wanted to serve. He just wanted to be. He was just caught up in the moment. Remember our Savior grabbed that ear, put it back on. Healed. So even when we overstep our boundaries, even when we act sometimes a little bit too zealous, our Savior is capable of coming and making things right. Do you long for opportunities to serve the Lord? I mean, what are you doing today in your life? What is your church doing today? And I'm talking to my church as well. What are we all doing today that requires us to be fully dependent upon the Lord? You know, there are a lot of things that we do in our churches today that we've been doing for years. And because we've been doing them for years, people out in the community are watching, and they're not surprised. Because we've done it before. And so for them, like, yeah, we've seen you do that before. But when we step out in the realm of the impossible church, when we begin to do things that we have to become fully dependent upon the Lord, and when He shows up and He does something miraculous... Everybody, they don't look at us anymore. They start looking at him. They start seeing him. They're like, who who is your God? Are you involved in the mission of your church? Are you serving with your gifts and abilities in your church? Has a committee come to you or a church staff member come to you recently and and they've come and approached you and they've said, we, we, we would like for you to serve in a certain capacity. And you're like, nah, not right now. I've got a lot going on in my life. And if you've prayerfully considered that and you truly hear the Lord saying don't, then that, I agree with that, don't. But if you're just too busy, in other words, you're choosing life experiences over God experiences, you're missing out. And so is your church and those who would be ministered to. I want to encourage us tonight to invest in the lives of others, not just in our churches, but in our community. Not just to give them a handout and and tell them good luck, but to come along beside them, to hear their story, to ask their name, and to introduce ourselves, and to hang out with them, and to to come back, and to, to establish a relationship that helps them to understand that we actually care about them. They're not just a notch on our belt. We're just not a, they're not a project for us, but instead we want to make a difference in their lives. Why? Because our Savior has made a difference in our lives. I met a gentleman, we were helping, our church has been doing a lot in the community. By the way, all of our churches have been. So when I say our church, I don't mean to exclude the other churches here. I know each of our churches are very involved in community outreach and, and ministry. But we, we were going to a particular uh, uh, area of our town and ministering to a couple of families. And while there... I met a gentleman. Some of y'all might know him. I hope you won't mind me mentioning his name, but I didn't ask ahead of time, so don't tell him. Uh, but his name is Twenty. So if you know him, don't say anything, okay? I don't know Twenty personally very well other than this one encounter I had with him. But I could tell you what I thought about him when I saw him. And it did what we all typically do. I 
made assumptions based on what he looked like. And after, when he got close enough and we had a conversation and we actually spent a couple of hours together, uh, he was actually helping me help someone else. I got to know him for who he really is. Well, more than that, I should say. I mean, I think it takes more than a few hours, in other words. But I got to know him more. And he broke down all those thoughts I had about him when I first saw him. As a man who I had no idea the talent he had. After we were about to leave, he kind of came to me and said, hey, look at this. And I think somebody told me, and I must have made a comment, so he wanted me to see him. He's, he's an artist. He showed me several, several of his pictures, and he had one of the most beautiful drawings of the Lord Jesus Christ on a cross. And I thought, it was incredible, the talent this man has. And it caused me to realize our community is filled with men and women who are incredibly talented, and these talents come from who? From God, the Creator. And when you and I connect with them and we just spend a little time with them and we give them some hope and we begin to in, in a, involve ourselves in their lives, they find a way to be able to bring those gifts and abilities before the Lord and serve Him with those gifts and abilities. We're serving the Lord. They're serving the Lord. We're all serving the Lord. And everybody begins to win. This community service, I pray, is only the beginning. And pastors and I, we've talked a couple times. Nothing formal yet, but... We, we hope there'll be a day where our churches come together and we, we don't just come together here or to a, local, uh, a certain location to worship together, but we actually show up to go out and to serve this community. You know, our church has a ministry. We call it, uh, Sandra, where are you? I saw you over here somewhere. There you are. We call ours what? Reach Ruston. First Baptist, y'all call yours Touch Ruston? Touch Ruston. And I don't know about the other churches, but I, I thought I came up with some names for y'all because I didn't want to leave y'all out. Okay? There, there's Help Rustin. I didn't put much thought into these, obviously. There is, well, they're gone. Here they are. Okay. Uh, there's, um, oh, they really are gone. Oh, yeah. Help Rustin. Serve Rustin. Save Rustin. So all the churches now, but I thought, what if we all came together and we just, we called it Transform Rustin? I mean, can you picture 1,000, 2,000 believers showing up on the same day or the same weekend and we go all over this community and we begin to serve people, their needs in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we share the gospel with them all together, all at one time. Don't you think the city would go crazy? They're like, what's happening? There's aliens everywhere and they're calling themselves Christians. <laughs> then I thought, oh, here's a great idea. Let's all show up either to a central location or to our own churches, whatever, about 9, 9.30 in the morning, on a Sunday morning. And let's spend about an hour literally praying. When's the last time you spent an hour praying? Don't answer that. An hour praying for what we're about to do. And then at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning, we knocked on every home in the entire area around here to simply tell them, that they're loved and cared for. Can you imagine that? They're home, by the way, on Sunday mornings at 11 o'clock. Do you know that? <laughs> they are. The only traffic on Sunday mornings is us going to church. And well, you can tell their, dri their driveways are still full. They're there. So it would be a great way to meet them. Now, I'll tell you, if we knocked on their door on Sunday morning, it would freak them. That's it. Let's call it Freak Rustin. <laughs> That's it. We'll come together. Freak Rustin. Sorry, pastors. I should have checked with y'all beforehand. 
Peter longed to be with Jesus. Excuse me, Peter longed for the opportunity to serve Jesus. But the next thing I want you to see about Peter is he was passionate about being with Jesus. Did you hear that? Passionate about being with Jesus. You know, it's our propensity in churches today. I know it was for my, much of my life growing up as a believer to do a lot of service, but not necessarily to be with Jesus. Peter was passionate about being with Jesus. So much so that in Matthew chapter 14, in the latter part of the chapter, we see a point where Jesus is walking in the water. Peter looks over there and says, that's really you, Lord. Command me to come to you. And what does the Lord say? Come on. And what does Peter do? He steps out of the boat. What did he think was going to happen? I don't know if it was one of those moments where he wasn't thinking again. Or... He simply, as the scripture said, he had his eyes on Jesus and he began to walk on the water. And you know the text because after a few steps, he began to get concerned about the waves and the wind and and he began to sink. And yet again, there was Jesus to grab a hold of him and pulling up, which is something Jesus does very well for all of us, isn't it? But he stepped out of the boat. He wanted to be with Jesus. Matthew chapter 16, Peter confesses Christ as Lord when he said, who do people say that I am? And he says, you are the Lord. Matthew chapter 17, Jesus wants to be the Lord so much. And when he's talking with Moses and Elijah, he says, I'll build a shelter for all three of you. Y'all hang out here for a while because I want to hang out with y'all some more. That's a paraphrase. Peter wants to be with Jesus. He wasn't just interested in being a part of the kingdom of God. He wanted to be with the very one who represents, who is establishing the kingdom of God. You understand that the kingdom of God is where what God wants done is, in fact, done. Heaven is a place where the kingdom of God reigns today completely. Everything that is supposed to happen in heaven is, in fact, happening exactly the way it gets supposed to in heaven right now. That's the truth. However, here on earth... For at least for a period of time, Jesus, God has given the freedom for each of us to do some of our own things. And so there is, at least for a period of time, here on earth, where there is the kingdom of God that exists, but there's also another kingdom that exists. And so not always is everything happening on earth exactly the way God wants it to happen, in other words. Let me demonstrate this, because I want you to see that every one of you have a kingdom or a queendom that you have control over. I want you to do me a favor. Raise your right hand. Very good. Thank you. Now, who made you raise your right hand? Uh, Did I make you? Did I control you? Did some other person or some other force cause you to raise? Or did you not, in fact, choose voluntarily to raise your right hand? In fact, some of you didn't raise your right hand, proving my point even more so. Thank you. Every one of us have a kingdom or a queendom in which we have reigned over. And to the degree that we allow our kingdom or our queendom to be under his control is to the degree that the kingdom of God actually exists and is established on this this earth. What God wants done is, in fact, done. And so, as we long to be with with God, as we long to be with Jesus as Peter, we're ultimately coming to a point of recognizing and, and realizing that it's up to him to have our kingdom and queendoms under his control perhaps Paul understood the struggle that we have in life today when he wrote in Philip, 
to the Philippian believers. In Philippians, he said, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Why would there be a need to work out our salvation as God works in us? And why would there be fear and trembling in doing that? Now, to be sure, this is not a works-based salvation, okay? I mean, grace is grace. And if it requires any work, then it is no longer grace. The workout is not for salvation, but because of salvation. Perhaps Paul is referring to, to the very struggle that all of us have today to really allow the reign of God's kingdom to touch the deepest reaches of our hearts and our lives. It's so easy to say, yes, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm committed to live my life for him. But there's, a, there's an area of our heart, there's an area of our life where we're saying, you know, this is mine. And I'm not ready to give that up yet. That is a place where what God wants done is not done. How passionate are you to be with Jesus? To allow his kingdom to truly reign in your life. I love that song they all were playing a while ago. I have no idea what the name of it is. But you kept saying over and over again, I want to see Jesus or I want to be with Jesus. What were the words? Where are you, band? (laughs) There you are. Well, one of you. That was it. No place I'd rather be. See, it was just, it was a powerful one to me. But I was just sitting down the whole time. I never heard the song before, but the words were just hitting. I I thought about, hey, we'll just have him come back up and sing that. It's that powerful. But when you were singing it, were you longing for that? I mean, did you find yourself caught up with the words and the reality that I want to be with Jesus? The psalmist was passionate about being with Jesus in Psalm 63. He says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. You know, my soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. On my bed, I remember you. I thank of you through the watches of the night because you are my help. I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me are you passionate to be with Jesus God reveals himself through his word we come to know God in part through his word and so it is important that we spend time in his word but you've heard of the recent studies over the past few years that are coming out the Christians are not spending a whole lot of time reading the scriptures George Barna, who does study after study, he's just one studious kind of guy, I guess, and he's always got something he's working on. So he came out with the State of the Bible 2013, and in that, he said that the average Bible owner, the average Bible owner, so he's only counting people who have a Bible, has four Bibles. We have more uh, paper and electronic versions of the Bible out today than ever before in the history of the world. But he also says in that same study that more than 50% of Bible readers only read any scripture three or four times a year. 
only 26% in his particular study read the scripture even more than once a week. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to turn to the person beside you and I'm going to ask you to tell them how much time you spent reading the scripture last week. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to have you do that. (laughs) I just don't want y'all to lie here in church. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm in it every day. I get up early in the morning. Why don't we get excited about the scripture? I I know. I know sometimes you read it and you get the begats and how many there were in each tribe. And you you kind of fly through those. You come across the sections that really, well, they touch you. are like, ooh, ooh, that's convicting. You don't want to hear it, but, man, they're always followed by a promise. They're always followed by something good. Just keep reading. We ought to get excited. I want to show you a video that one of my staff members sent to me a, a few months back. This is about a group of believers, I believe, in China. And this is their response to getting their first Bible. You have that video? How you approach your Bible reading? Man. We have it so readily available to us that we've forgotten how precious it is and how important it is to read. Are you passionate about being with Jesus? Last, I want to share with you the Peter experience crisis of belief. Matthew 26, Peter slept too much and he prayed too little. That might have been a problem he had in his whole life. That may be a problem that the church has today as well. Matthew 26, also, after Jesus' arrest, Peter now begins to follow from a distance, if you remember. And then as Jesus predicted in that same chapter, Peter denies even knowing Jesus three times. At the very end of that chapter, Peter weeps, weeps excuse me, bitterly. Because that of which Christ said he would do, he in fact did. And he was embarrassed. He was ashamed. Perhaps Peter experienced there what so many of us have experienced here in this room at some point in our lives too. We've messed up. We've decided to get too comfortable in our lifestyle. We've decided to say no to something or or we've said yes to something we shouldn't have said yes to and, and we blew it. Peter really blew it. He messed up big time. And in so doing, he probably perceived that he had ended his ability to be able to serve the one he wanted to serve and to be with the one he wanted to be with. He He blew it. Perhaps in his mind, he's thinking, all I can do now is go back to what I used to do, and that was fishing, which is what many of them did after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, too. They thought it was all over. Matthew 28, 16. 
a moment in Peter's life that you and I can identify as well. They get to see Jesus after the death. Have you seen Jesus after the death? I mean, have you had experience with the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ? Peter did, and it, it changed his life. 1 Corinthians 15 declares that Peter was one who Christ appeared to along with more than 500 other people. After that, we see in the book of Acts, we see that Peter was passionate for the Lord and his service to him again. For in Acts chapter 3, we see that he performed miraculous healings. He preached, and more than 3,000 were saved in one sermon. You got, guys got that in your folder? <laughs> I'm still looking for that sermon in my folder, man. 3,000 in one sermon. He preaches the gospel even to the Gentiles. It just goes all out. He'd blown it. But God was bigger than his mistake. I want you to know that's the case for you and I today as well. He's bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than our failures. He's bigger than our shame. He's bigger than our guilt. He's bigger than our sin. If we'll take him to him, we'll bring him to him, he will restore he will do that in, which, that in our lives in which we desperately need, but we're so afraid to go to him and seek him for. They say that Sir Edmund Hillary made numerous attempts to climb Mount Everest before he finally was successful. After one of his attempts, though, he stood at the base of the mountain and he shook his fist at it, and what he shouted is this. He says, I'll defeat you yet because you are as big as you are going to get, but I am still growing. Church, do you understand? We are all still growing. And the things that you and I struggle with, the temptations, the sins, the problems, the things that plague us, the things that we keep re repeating over and over again, and we, we turn them over to the Lord, but they seem to be there. We're like, I don't know if I'll ever be able to beat this. Listen, you need to shake your fist at that, and you say, you're only as big as you'll ever get, but I'm growing, and I'm getting stronger. John 21, then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as, Peter, as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him and jumped into the water. Peter got out of the boat twice. I want to know if some of you tonight, if it's time for you to get out of the boat. You've been out before, but you went back in. You made a mistake. Something didn't go well. You got your feelings hurt. But it's time to come out of the boat again. Let me tell you. You need to step out of the boat in order to experience that of which the Lord wants to do in your life. You need to step out of the boat so that your church can be enriched with your gifts and abilities and the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through your life. You need to step out of the boat because there are people in this community and the world beyond who are lost. They're desperate. They don't even know it. And when we step out of the boat, it increases the opportunities that they have to hear of Jesus. Would you close your eyes? Bow your heads. In just a moment, we'll have a time of invitation. And the pastors will be standing up here at the front. And I want to give you that opportunity to simply respond by coming up to one of, your, one of these pastors. It can be yours or another. 
If, if you want to grab somebody else that you know, and for whatever reason you want to talk to somebody else tonight, that's fine. But you go to somebody and you say, I, I need to get out of the boat. I've been holding on to hurt. I've been holding on to depression. I've been holding on to anger. I've been holding on to jealousy. I've been holding on to problems, temptations, sin. I've been holding on to something, and I've been using it as an excuse for why I have not simply stepped out to say yes to what God wants to do in my life right now. And therefore, I have not been as passionate for him as I should be. I've not been longing to be with him. Would you take that step tonight? And as you do, would you know that Jesus is standing right there as he did for Peter to grab a hold of you? You're not going to sink. You're going to be okay. Father God, I ask for your spirit to do your bidding among us tonight. Father, we are your people. There's no reason for us to be ashamed or hide anything back whatsoever. We don't have to worry, Father, uh, about what, you, what we may or may not do or you may or not do to us. Instead, we just need to free up and say, God, here I am. Do that to me of which I need so desperately for you to do. Give me the courage and the boldness to step out and to go to somebody and just confess that tonight. I pray it to be so, and I pray it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand, church, as pastors, you come stand up here at the front as well. And I also want to encourage you, if you're here tonight and you don't know for sure about Jesus Christ, you don't know where you stand with him at all, you come up to one of these pastors tonight and you tell them you want to know Jesus. They will answer any questions you have. You come as we have this time of invitation.